Thank you. I wanted a six, but is it on already? Or? Hello, everybody. My name is... Who said that? Rabbi. Rabbi said we have a very, very incredible opportunity here. Rabbi Kalish always talks about the importance of not only having opportunities, but also our type. Um, I just want to see if this still works. Let's have a big round of applause for Eric Kalish. Yeah. Same group. <laughs> so, Wayside, as we all know, we're located up here in Durham, where it's uh, been only opportunity after opportunity that. Rabbi Kalish, the Rosh Hashiva, has made sure that this has literally been the place that not only can you be here, but that we're going to bring the greatest people, the greatest inspiration to, to come here to you guys. By the way, I drove up here by car today. <laughs> it's not, not, not so great. <laughs> what? No, the other few times I came by helicopter. <laughs> so, Rabbi Sai, you know, every, everyone says that in order, to, in order to successfully either make an introduction or to give a speech, you have to make some sort of connection with uh, what's going on. And today, Baruch Hashem, we have here in this busy schedule, we had the Boston Rebbe that made time to come to say a few words and to share some words of inspiration and give some chizuk, but I always like to interject myself into everything, so I just want to say that this is actually a, a very uh, very personal connection for me, not only for me being here with the Rebbe and my connection with the Rebbe and the Rebbe's family and uh, the fact that my family is also from Boston, but also uh, a connection to uh, being here in yeshiva. And Rabbi Kalish asked me, you know, what... Well, well, how are you going to make the connection? Well, very simply, when I was in, <laughs> when I was in uh, high school, every time I got kicked out of a high school, another one took me in right away, because we always called the Boston Rebbe. And I remember vividly being in a certain camp that uh, I was, uh, you know, without question, it was a unanimous vote to send me out. And uh, I, remember calling, I remember calling my mother, and my mother says, one second, I'm going to go speak to the Rebbe. And uh, as I was packing my bags up in my bunkhouse, someone came in and said, no, no, you're staying. <laughs> so it took many years, but I have a tremendous occurrence, I tell you, to the Rebbe and, and the Rebbe's family to making sure that I always had a place to be. And father, what? I'm going to get that. But, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> the Rebbe says that was the Rebbe's father. But, uh, but now, actually, I, I have a couple of things to call the Rebbe about for... For my own kids, so. <laughs> but 
I really wanted to say that it's, you know, it's, it's amazing how things come full circle because so many of the people that I have in my life today, not just, not just people that I know, but my closest friends were because I was in yeshiva in certain places, I was in camp in certain places, and it was very much a big part of, uh, I grew up, I went to day school, and then I moved to New York, and, and uh, a big part of my life was, uh, was, was the Rebbe and the Rebbe's family, and uh, for that I want to say thank you in front of all these boys that uh, I, even till today I haven't forgotten about, and I really much appreciate it. You can clap. So Rabbi Sai, the, the Rebbe's on a very tight schedule, and uh, I just want to give a very, very quick and, and brief history uh, about, uh, about the Rebbe being from Boston. You know, <clears throat> in, the, in, in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, Yidin couldn't live so well in Europe. And many Yidin came to the shores of America for a better life. What they didn't realize was, and they took for granted, was the ability to carry on Yiddishkeit, not just, not just in their lives, but in the lives of their children. And so many immigrants that came here in the late 1800s, early 1900s, their kids, which they never thought would ever happen, ended up marrying out, ended up meeting Goyim in the public schools, which at the time education was such a great opportunity. And one day their son, their daughter came back and said, I met someone, and uh, the parents were shocked to see that this someone was not a Jew. And one of the things that became so instrumental in the lives of Yidden here in America was many Rebbes came to the shores of America and they rebuilt the mini shtetl, they rebuilt the shtetl in their own cities, whether it was in Williamsburg, whether it was in, in other areas. And one of the areas that uh, was very, very heavily entrenched with, with immigrants, with Jewish immigrants, was Boston. And actually my grandmother came from, her parents came from Russia. They actually, they met in New York in 1912. But they came to Boston, they settled down there in an area called Revere, but then they moved to a different, they were in different areas, and one of those areas was actually where the Rebbe was. And uh, as time went on, the, <coughs> the, the Rebbe's father, the Boston Rebbe, and his family, they settled down in, in Boston in the early 1900s, and they built literally from scratch, they built a community. What's that? Grandfather. Right, the Rebbe, right, the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's grandfather. And when the Rebbe's grandfather came to America, even the few people who said to him, said, what are you, what are you trying to do? It's not going to work here. He literally carried on, and he went forward, and he started, he opened the shul, and he opened the base for Hachnos' Orchim, and he built a matzah bakery, he built a mikvah, and everything under the sun that comes with making sure the Yiddishkeit can remain alive. And uh, Boston is one of those places that at the end of the day, if anyone ever goes to Boston and they ever needed something in the past hundred years, the place that they went to was always to the Boston Rebbe. So the Boston Rebbe is, is uh, now three generations there was, uh, there was the Rebbe's grandfather who came originally, which the Rebbe may talk a little bit more about. Then there was the Rebbe's father. And uh, about ten years ago, the Rebbe's father was Nifter. And, uh, and the Rebbe, Rebbe Naftali, took over. The, he's now at the helm of the, of the Boston community, the Boston Hasidus. Without any further introduction, I'd like to introduce the Boston Rebbe. At the outset, I'd like to thank the Rabbeim here and Rabbi Sharp for giving me this opportunity to greet you and to get to know you. I have a confession to make. 
Several months ago, I heard that the Waterbury Yeshiva moved to Durham. I was thinking to myself, to Durham, North Carolina? What on earth are they moving to Durham, North Carolina for? Then someone told me, you know, it's not Durham, North Carolina. It's Durham, Connecticut. And it makes a big difference to me that it's in Connecticut. Because I'm not sure what it means to live in Connecticut. And what do I mean by that? When I was a young boy in Boston, my father sent me off as a nine-year-old to Yeshiva Tervedas in Williamsburg because he wanted me to get a nice Jewish education. And you have to realize it was very difficult for me. Here I'm coming from Boston, a Red Sox fan, and all the, all the boys in my class were Yankee fans, because they were living in Williamsburg, Crown Heights, didn't know what to do, but I always had a popular saying, contrary, because the Red Sox weren't too great in the 60s. Contrary to popular belief, the Rabbin Shalom is not a Yankee fan. <laughs> Even though they won every single year. And sure enough, about five years ago, someone showed me a newspaper article where the governor of Connecticut announced that Connecticut is officially Red Sox country. <laughs> And it felt very good. <laughs> Here we have the governor saying that also Connecticut's Red Sox ca- country. But there was a statement by one of the officials of the Yankees that even though the governor is on your side, God is on our side. <laughs> and there went my whole theory <laughs> up in flames. So I hope that Durham is part of Red Sox country. What do I mean by that? (laughs) What is the difference where you are? Chazal tell us that three things influence a person. Eretz, the spot you're on, Shana, the time of year it is, and Nefesh, the person you are. Um, the Spinker, Rabbi Yosef Spinker gives an example. Let's take Har Sinai, Matan Torah. There's Eretz. If you go to Mount Sinai, if you're a tourist, you want to go to the desert, they'll tell you, I'm, they're not sure, but there's Mount Sinai, you believe to make a bracha. This is where there was an Aztec was created for Claudio Shana. When Shavuos comes around, there's also a Hagish of Matan Torah, of giving of the Torah. And then, there's also Nefesh. For example, Pashas Yisroi, you read Pashas Yisroi, 
and you read about Aseris Hadibris Matan Torah, you're supposed to feel it. These are the three things that should influence a person. We know there's the popular saying, I can see Purim's in the air in this yeshiva. Mishanichnes ador marbim besimcha. Now what does it mean, Mishanichnes ador marbim besimcha? It should say, Mishabo ador marbim besimcha. But there's a Chesidah Shavad from the Vorki Rebbe that explains that it should be nichnas. It should go into your bones. The simcha should be in your bones. Your marvin besimcha. Now the question is, what does it mean simcha? How do you get simcha? What is true simcha? Some people will say true simcha. What's the happiest day of my life? The day I got married, or the day of my bar mitzvah. But if you gave that person the truth serum, it wouldn't be the happiest day of his life. It might be the most nervous day of his life. That, what am I doing? I'm getting married. What's going to be? What's the road ahead of us? Will it be good? Will it be not so good? So that's not what we call true simcha. True simcha sachayim. To have and believe that you're living the life and you really feel it. So, what is true simcha? And how do we grab onto the simcha? How do we grab onto this simcha? <coughs> we learn the ter- Megillah tells us La Yehudim Ha Different lotions of simcha light, joy, happiness. And Chazal tells us what is each one. Connotate. Simcha zu Taira is Taira. Sasen zu Yomtiv is Yomtiv. Simcha, Taira is Aira. Layudamay sa Aira is Taira. Simcha is Yomtiv. Sasen is Mila. And the Eucharist Tfilin. So it seems to be that the Megillah is giving us a recipe for how to have simcha and have a, what we call in today's good times a quality of life. You want to know how to get a quality of life? Through Torah and through Yom Tif and through Mila and through Tefillin. Now, why so? It doesn't say simcha is taking a lulav and esrig or simcha is dancing by a chasana with a ten-piece band. What is, what is the meaning of this? My grandfather's atzal, 
lived in Williamsburg for a short period of time prior to his passing in the late 30s, early 40s. And he had an interesting minute. Shvi Shal Pesach, on the night of, seventh night of Pesach, he used to go out to the Williamsburg Bridge. I'm not sure if everybody's familiar with Brooklyn, but one of the bridges from Brooklyn to Manhattan is the Williamsburg Bridge. And he used to go out to the Williamsburg Bridge for Shiraz Hayam at midnight. And they said Shiraz Hayam by the bridge, by the water. And they danced there. And during World War II, they were in the midst of their joyous dancing. And everyone was dancing with their full fervor. And somebody gives out a scream and saying, Yiddish blid geist, emir tansim besimcha. That Jewish blood is spilling. Nebuch, people are being killed in the camps, and we're dancing here in the America with simcha. Everything stopped. And my grandfather, at that point, explained that the Rambam brings down that when you do the Avoidah, the Koyin has to be Besimcha, and this is an Avoidah G'doy L'Shibah Meaning this is one of the greatest difficulties in the Beis HaMikdash. To be Besimcha, to have simcha, it's an avoidigidoyle in the migdash. And my grandfather said, What do you mean avoidigidoyle? Everybody can be besimcha. But the answer is that sometimes you're in a period when it's not supposed to, you don't feel like being besimcha, but you have that obligation to be besimcha. So it's an avoidigidoyle to be besimcha. And what, that's our avoidigidoyle tonight. And then they continue singing and dancing. So simcha doesn't come easy. You might have a wonderful night, but the next day in the morning you might wake up with a hangover. That's not what you call true simcha. And that's not what we mean. Mishenichnis ador marbim besimcha. There's a very, very important yesoit given over by the Badit Shiva the Badit Shiva of Zatzal. We find in the Megillah, we're coming up to Purim, so it's in Yana de Yoima, it's Shana. We find in the Megillah that Haman. And Achishverish declare everyone has to bow down to Haman when they see Haman. And it, it's brought down that Haman says that they tell, tell Haman, sees it, will not kneel and bow down, prostrate himself. To you. 
One thing that angered him. Another one, they tell Haman the big secret that you should know. Who is this Mardachai? Who is this culprit? Mardachai at Tzaddik is a Jew. Now imagine if someone came here to Durham, Connecticut and told you, you want to know a secret? Rabbi Kalish is a Jew. Haman knew who he was. In fact, Haman Chazal tell us was a slave of Mardachai. So he's getting big news over here that he's a Jew? And what does it mean that he's not going to bow down in the future tense? It should be said to him that he didn't bow down. So why does it say it in the future tense that he won't bow down? So the Baditshavi gives a gewaldig avart here. A gewaldig yisoyt. He says, Haman wasn't a fool. He was a big Russia. But a big Russia doesn't mean you're a fool. He was a very wicked man. But it doesn't mean that he was stupid. Haman realized that there's nothing to do about Mardchai He's not going to bow down. So you know, he gave a declaration. He sent a good message to, Ham- to Mardchai. You know, I'm giving you this compensation. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to bow down. Everybody else, yes. But you don't have to. But don't say anything. If someone asks you why you're not bowing down, you can say, Haman, out of his kind heart, decided that I don't have to because of my position in the government. Haman, but Mordechai realized that this is not something to be done. So he gave over a message to Haman. No. When I don't bow down... I'm going to tell people I will not bow down in the future tense, in the future even after I get this exemption. Not because I'm given the exemption, but the reason I'm not doing it is because I am a Jew. Oh, so they came back to, to Haman and said, you know, Marcha is not only a Jew, but he's a big chutzpanik also. Because he's going to tell everybody he's not bowing down because he's a Jew, not because you gave him an exemption. That's what got Haman angry. Haman was proud to be a Jew. He didn't want to hide it. And it was hard to be a Jew to do the avoidance Hashem. That's what we have to realize. That we have to be proud to be a Jew. We have to feel good about being a Jew. As I mentioned before, I'm from Boston. I don't know if ever, any of you ever came to Boston... But there are a lot of tourists, especially from New York City, that come to Boston. And there are different schools that come as well. So I ask them, when they come and they ask me to say a few words, the first question I ask them is, tell me something. 
Have you been to the Freedom Trail? Have any of you heard of the Freedom Trail? Yeah, okay. Freedom Trail. Freedom Trail is they show you that this one traveled here and this one walked over here. Benjamin Franklin, Paul Revere. So I told him, a Jew also has a Freedom Trail. Chazal tell us, who is someone who is free? Someone who is involved in Torah and Mitzvahs. That you, you see is history. It's in the past. Paul Revere, one if by, one if by, uh, by land, two if by sea. That's in the past. That's the history. You're living the freedom trail now. Your own personal freedom trail. That you're going to be Isaac Batoya in Mitzvahs, and that's what's going to make you a Ben Chayrim, make you free. These items that the Megillah points out Toyra, Yomtif, Milent filling is what puts us on the freedom trail. Torah is something that we delve into on a daily basis. We get our boosters every single day from Torah. Our multivitamin of the day is Torah. You can see it in a person. There's a big distinction between Someone who is a ben who is a yid, and someone who is not. If he learns Torah, you see the difference in him. You see, we don't go kachukis hagoy. Yomtif. Yomtif is the spice of life. The Shabbos and the Yomtoivim that we have is our spice. That's what we look forward to. We're looking for now to, forward to Purim and then Pesach. It's our spice of life. We sing every Shabbos. I'm sure here in Yeshiva you do. You have the good here for Friday night? Okay, good. I was worried that maybe the Yeshiva doesn't sing as much. What do we sing? We sing Menucha Vesimcha or La Yehudim. What do you mean Menucha Vesimcha or La Yehudim? What is the digging all about? I'll tell you a secret. When someone makes a regular simcha, you can ask anybody who's a mechutin, a father of a bar mitzvah bocha, or even making a bris, you're going to tell them, we have to sing menucha v'simcha. They're going to look at you like you're crazy. Because you might have a simcha, but there's no true menucha then. There's no menucha when you make a wedding. There's no relaxation time. It's all stress. The machtainist is interested where the flowers brought, that they bring the proper flowers. The machutin might be interested. Do we get the right singer? Do we get the right music? Is the Masada Kedushin here yet? So there's no menucha. On Shabbos and on Yom Tif, after we prepare... <coughs> Everything that's necessary, we can sing Menucha V'Simcha. 
That gives us our spice. Mila, I don't have to tell you, brings us in Tachas Kan the first mitzvah that we're involved in. And this mitzvah connects us all the way to Avram Avinu. Brishal Avram Avinu. That's also a connection. Tfilin is the mitzvah that we begin when we're bar mitzvah, when we become a ben, a ben Yud Gimel, a bar mitzvah. Not a ben mitzvah, but a bar hochi. A bar mitzvah. So the Megillah teaches us these are the paths that are connecting us to having a day of Simchas HaChayim. Just one final word. When I was a bocha in Philadelphia yeshiva many, many moons ago, I had a Rebbe, Remendel Kaplan. That's out. And he was a Talmud of Rebbe Chonon Varsaman. Rebbe Chonon. And he said over from Rebbe Chonon that you want to know how you become a true Ben Torah and to understand Torah by Birchas Krishma. And this is something important. Not everybody has the wherewithal to have kavana. To have the kavana during all of Shemayin Esrei, Kriya is a chiyuv to have kavana. How do you have the wherewithal to do it? It's difficult sometimes. But if one thing he said, Rabbi Chana, you want to have siyati deshmayi to be able to have the Torah opened up to you, when you say the birchas krishma, the same Billy Bainu Bina Lahov in the Lahaskil Ishmaya Lilmoidulame. That I call Ishbarh who should give in our hearts the understanding to hear and to learn and to teach and to observe and to do. When you have that with the right kavan, you'll have Siyatid Ishmaya. And Remendel asked brought over. And said that you want to know how much kavani you have to have? I'll teach you what kind of kavani you have to have in order to have the proper kavana. I don't know if any of you have been in a Hasidic Shtibel, but Birchis Reish Chodesh by a Hasidic Shtibel is very, very fervent. When you get into the Hasidic Shtibel and is ready to bench Reish Chodesh, the rabbi, the rabbi gets up there. And we start saying, and we say, everybody exalts, and we say, that we should have panosa. Everybody's exalted. Everybody feels great. We want to have the panosa. Done with the greatest fervor. He says, that's the type of kavani you have to have by Birchus Krishna in order to have the Siyat Nishmaya. With the same further that you hear that Balabos doing Birchus Achoydish, you should be doing Birchus Krishna.
That's what gives us the Simchas HaChayim. That we should have the Layehudim HaYisa'ayra V'Simchas V'Sosavikar. And that's how you have the Mishanichnas Ador. That the Ador should come in Marvin B'Simcha. It's not just taking out the bottle and enjoying yourself. It's more than that. It's making the Simcha part and parcel of yourselves. And I all want to wish you a Simchas Purim and having Siyata Deshmaya in your learning and in your Drachim and one small bracha from a small rabbi to a big Talmud is you should be noisachain by your rabbeim, and your rabbeim should be noisachain to you. Thank you very much.